Well, this week, Taylor Swift is in Australia. Last weekend, she was in my hometown of Melbourne for three shows, and I'm proud to say she played to the biggest audiences of her career anywhere in the world so far. This weekend, she's in Sydney for four shows, so it's only fitting that we join in with Swift Mania and take a look at the Eras Tour concert film from 2023. The show where Taylor is a bejeweled mastermind, the concert which is beyond your wildest dreams, and the whole thing has an amazing sense of style. So even if you're determined to shake it off and avoid the whole thing because you think, eh, nothing new, this is, let me reassure you, an enchanted cultural moment <laughs> that still has nearly a year to go. This tour doesn't wrap up till December 2024, so it's worth thinking through what all the hype is about. You ready for it? Welcome to Pink Door Culture Club, your eclectic entertainment guide. My name is Jeremiah Burns. Pink Door Culture Club is a YouTube show as well as a podcast released every Thursday Australian time. Uh, it features these longer reviews along with some shorter pop culture proverbs, snippets of wisdom from film, TV or music going out on YouTube shorts every Tuesday. If you like the show, please, of course, like subscribe, share, comment, do all of those lovely things and feel free to be in touch. It would be great to hear from you. Well, the first segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Spellbound, where we think about what makes the eras to a concert film worth watching. Or if you're a Swifty and you've seen it a hundred times before, what makes it re worth re-watching? And the first thing to say, I reckon, is the rich storytelling and the meta storytelling. It's um kind of goes without saying that one of the things people love about Taylor Swift's music is her storytelling. All the songs about heartbreak and you know loss and struggle and all, all of those things. And what that means is that when this becomes a live event, there's a lot to work with. There's, there's characters, there's stories, there's, there's things to not only sing about, there's things to show. So each song in the show is given this amazing depth through dancers and musicians who take on these fully costumed characters at points. And, and they have these elaborate sets to go with them as well. At some points when I was watching, I was like, this is more like Wicked or Hamilton or some kind of traditional you know musical theater than just like a normal live gig i reckon particularly in the song uh tolerate it where you know taylor is on stage by herself and then she kind of goes through the routine of like setting a table and then one of her dancers comes comes out and sits at the other end of the table and she sings the song to him but it's all kind of played out like just like theater like musical theater so I think one of the things that's so great about the show is you get to like see all of that and it's more than just a gig. You're engaging in some like genuine theater. But on top of that, each album is, of course, as the name suggests, and if you don't already know, it's arranged into an era. 
And every era is a brand or like an identity in itself. And it forms a kind of meta story where the lighting, the set, the costumes, the microphone, the guitar for each of those eras is different. It's a different color or a different look or a different texture. And and it's not kind of just arranged as you would expect from like beginning to end. It's not arranged by chronology. It's arranged deliberately and carefully to build a compelling three-hour show. She's kind of saying to the audience, look, you've let me have this freedom in my career to try out different genres, to have these different aspects of who I am expressed in song. So let's read each chapter of the book, right? We're going to do that, but I'm going to rearrange them so it's more fun. I'm going to rearrange it so it kind of makes sense for this show. And why don't you come with me? And so she does it in a way that makes sense of the moment. So like at the start of the show, she she has songs that have that feel-good energy, that anthemic energy to get people going. In the middle, there's a 10-minute version of All Too Well to kind of anchor things and calm things. And she finishes at the end with karma. And there's all the sort of explosions and celebration that that go with that as well and she's also doing something here where she engages the audience through contrast and like excites the audience through contrast as well so she'll kind of go from very like soft melancholy very theatrical uh intimate setting as i mentioned before of tolerate it straight into the reputation era where she's in like this cat suit and kind of in Beyonce mode, I guess. And then after that, she'll switch into Enchanted, where she's in like a ball gown. And so the contrasts are really compelling. They're really engaging because you just get used to something being very intimate and then it goes big and loud. And then again, it goes into sort of like a very different mode. And so she's kind of working the flow or the meta story, like really, really beautifully, really in a really entertaining way. A second thing that's great about the concert is her voice and her musicianship. And like that seems like a pretty obvious thing to say. Like obviously she has a strong voice. She's like a world superstar, the most famous person in the world. But there's two things that stood out to me seeing her perform 40 plus songs uh, in a concert setting. One was it, it really showcases her versatility. Like, you know that when you listen on Spotify, but when you see it in a concert setting and you see her go from stripped back uh, country ballads with only a piano or only a guitar into these like massively layered pop hits or massive kind of heavy rock anthems almost, you know, she moves from one to the next without wavering, without losing a breath. Like there's only one moment in the whole concert where it's like, I think she's like mildly out of breath. <laughs> like I go up one set of stairs at work and I'm like, you know, I'm puffing. <laughs> so there's that 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 versatility there that is really captured so beautifully, I think, in the show. And a second thing is the power of her voice. Like, I wouldn't, like, I know she's got a powerful voice, but I don't think it would be, like, one of the words that occurs to me first if I was going to describe uh, her, her her voice. Like, a lot of her songs are either super produced and so there's, like, a lot going on in them, or 
they're quite mellow and um, stripped back. But when you see her in a stadium setting and there's some moments where she like really unleashes like in these big moments and you hear her voice and it's super clear and super tuneful, it makes you realize there's power there. Like that is a powerful voice. That's a great voice. You know, even though it's frequently restrained because of the songwriting or it gets lost in the mix, in the recording, when you see it in a concert setting, it makes you appreciate it afresh. A third thing to love about the concert and about the film is choreography. Uh, it's not just Taylor who dances all the way through this concert, uh, but her amazing group of dancers who complement her. And they bring to the show this incredible energy and uh, precision. Like their, their movements have to be very precise because the stage is constantly moving. So they need to know like where to be at exactly the right moment. And they bring a real passion to what they're doing as well. Like they are, again, if we think about that concept of this being theater, like they are embodying the characters of each song through their costume, through their facial expressions, and through their movement to like this stadium of tens of thousands of people. And again, they look like they're having fun. Like they bring a real sense of fun to this that makes it really entertaining and yeah, like enjoyable to watch. Like I just have massive admiration like I said before about Taylor singing these songs back to back and and how fit she must be to do that I mean I have massive admiration for just how fit Taylor and these guys are three and a half hours high intensity show with almost no breaks for Taylor and limited breaks for for the dancers like I reckon you know, it's kind of like one minute, maybe a little bit more for some of these costume breaks. Otherwise, it is nonstop singing and nonstop dancing. There, there are a few sets or bits and pieces where there's not as much dancing or it's kind of being there on the spot, being more settled. But there is a lot of dancing and it's, it is really high energy, you know, amazing to watch. A fourth thing to say about this and, and a final thing to say about this concert, this film is to comment on the stage, the lighting, and the effects. So the stage is set up to maximize uh, visibility. There's like this huge catwalk that goes like halfway out into the crowd. Like it just extends ages, and there's a huge diamond in the middle of that. Um, and there's a massive you know, to be expected, like a massive LED screen at the back, but it extends not only to the back screen, it's on the stage itself. So the LED lights are running both across the back and all the way up and down the, the catwalk as well. And then you've got these hydraulic platforms in the middle of the diamond right there, out there in the uh, in the catwalk. And um, they can kind of lift independently in all different ways to create different configurations. So like you see a single platform, you see it turn into like a series of steps, you see it as a pyramid, you see it as an upside down pyramid, you see it, you know, static, you see it moving. It brings a real dynamism to what's going on. And again, when she's out there with her dancers, more people in the stadium can see and appreciate uh, what's going on. On top of that, you've got some really amazing physical effects so you get trees growing up this, through the stage at one point you get uh, a cabin arriving on the stage at one point 
you have clouds coming out onto the stage at another point. Like this rivals any kind of, you know, Olympic game opening ceremony. Like it's it's that kind of show. It's not just the LED virtual stuff. It's the physical props that are happening here as well. And it's the transitions between the songs and the eras that I think are some of the most breathtaking moments in the show, particularly the best moment in my humble opinion, like the the wow moment of the show is the stage opens up in the catwalk. She dives into that gap. You hear a splash and then you see an animation of her swimming sort of along the catwalk and up onto the screen. And then she appears at the back of the stage ready for the next, um, the next era as she goes from folklore to 1989 era. Like it, it is an amazing moment and uh, just one of the things that makes this such such an amazing concert. The second segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Rear Window, and the idea is to stop and to kind of look more closely and think more deeply about some of the themes or the ideas arising from the era's concert tour film. There's a lot you could say, and I'm not going to make this kind of like a full breakdown of everything you could say about Taylor Swift. Like there's so many essays out there uh, at the moment, so much commentary about like, why is she so popular? Uh, really just got two things that I, I was thinking about as I was watching this. And as, I, as I'm observing my city and my country kind of be you know, completely caught up in um, in the whole kind of moment that, that we're going through. And the first thing I was thinking is people want to believe in someone who is glorious but relatable. People want to believe in someone who is glorious but relatable. Like, I think we want our heroes to be great. And there is a sense of genuine awe as you watch Taylor Swift perform. Like, even if you're not hyperventilating and crying and singing every single word like the most, you know, hardcore fans are in, in the audience. Like, I was applauding at the ends of songs. I'm just watching this at home on the screen. And I was watching it with one of my kids who just, like, spontaneously said it pretty early on. Like, Dad, she's great. <laughs> um, you know, as you watch her, you're like, this is an extremely beautiful, fit woman dressed in amazing, amazing, sparkly outfits. And she is performing 40 plus songs in three and a half hours from 10 different albums with no meaningful break without missing a word or a dance move. Like, it's incredible. And there is a sense of her being glorious, her being superhuman. I the whole way through I was thinking, who am I thinking of when I when I watched Taylor Swift? I was like, okay, this is like um you know, some kind of elf princess or queen like Galadriel from Lord of the Rings mixed with some kind of historical character like Cleopatra mixed with Shania Twain. <laughs> these are the kind of things I was putting together on my mind to try and make sense of, of what I was seeing. Um, yeah, there is that sense of her being a glorious superhuman. 
And I think that's something that could easily destroy a person's ability to relate to her. Because, like, she's so much better, right? But it doesn't. It's interesting. It doesn't. Because her songs, like the songs themselves, that they're about things that people can relate to. Like, this is, again, this is kind of a cliche now. Like, you know, she's relatable. Her songs are relatable. But it's true, right? They're about things like heartbreak and failure and struggle and so people can relate to those stories. And in the concert, this is another thing that's that's more specific to the concert, right? In the concert, there's a sense of Taylor loving the moment and being in it with the fans. Like everyone's having a great time together, not quite believing what's going on, including Taylor. Now, whether she's just acting that way or not, I, I couldn't say, but like it seems genuine. She seems to really genuinely love being with her fans she knows they adore her but she like adores them back and they're finding it hard to believe they're seeing her and she's finding it hard to believe that that she herself is in that that moment um there's a lot of her saying thanks to the fans a lot of thanks for being present thanks for believing thanks for the freedom that you've given me and as i mentioned before like the physical stage like it's set up to maximize access to her and in the film um like it's very polished like i've said um it's actually cut together from the three different performances at sofi stadium in in la i I believe but after the credits we do get to see some of the bloopers right where you and so you kind of get to see a bit more of the humanity where her microphone doesn't work or she has to play the piano in the rain because it's it's you know there's a storm or like one of her Uh, sequence gets caught and she can't like she's got like a costume malfunction (laughs) um and there's i reckon there's a real contrast there to some pop idols or famous people who kind of have that sense of floating above the masses of of being better and bigger but not relatable like when i was a kid uh when i was a teenager i went to see michael jackson in the history tour in in sydney and it was, it was a great show, but there was a real sense of him being this, like, otherworldly, like, distant person. There was no sense of, like, warmth or connection. It was just spectacle, full stop. And I it kind of leaves you a bit, a bit cold. Like, that form of celebrity leaves you a bit cold. I'm pretty sure there was no, like, blooper reel for Michael Jackson. You know, that wasn't really his style, especially by the time he got to the History album. <laughs> uh you know, look, it's not it's not a special insight from me to say that there is a kind of godlike aura around uh, Taylor Swift. Like, as I said, she's literally like that kind of elf queen, shiny Cleopatra lifted on high for everyone to see and hear. But what I would say is there is a kind of Christian... There is a kind of Christian ideal or archetype underneath that and and behind her her popularity, I reckon. I'm greater than you. I'm at the center of this. And you're praising me. But I'm humble. And I'm just like you. And I understand you. And I'm with you in this moment. We're doing this moment together. And I think that's there's something powerful and... There's something bigger going on there that that people are connecting to. Talking about that, I reckon the second thing to say as you watch this concert and you think about the broader 
cultural phenomena is people want to belong to a community, right? Taylor recently said in a graduation speech, I think it was to NYU, she said, scary news is you're on your own now. Cool news is you're on your own now. And like she's tapping into that rugged individualism there of, you know, Western secular culture, you know, we're islands, we're on our own, we have to make it by ourselves. And there's some truth to that. There's some truth to individualism. You know, like she is, she herself has gone her own way. Like even the way that she came to make this movie was her kind of stepping out as an individual and reaping the rewards. But, but I reckon her concerts actually show something different, something bigger than that, something more powerful than that. And that is people want community. People want to be part of a community that shares a common understanding, a common focus, a sense of belonging, a sense of meaning. And I reckon that's something overall um, that is missing in Western secular society. Like we're pretty well conditioned from the beginning to be focused on ourselves, right? Like what is my goal in life? What's going to bring me happiness? But one of the results of living that out over like decades and decades is a society plagued by things like loneliness um, that has a terrible effect on, on, on us. There's like it's gotten to the point where there's like even form, there's been formal moves to combat that, like um, having like a minister for loneliness to oversee measures to try and you know, uh, counteract it in the UK, for example, back in uh, 2018, I think it was. I reckon one of the best moves I've made in the last 10 years is to deliberately pursue friendships, like not acquaintances, not just like, hey, good to see you, but like try and be trying to become friends with people and being a good friend to other people rather than just thinking, what do I want? What am I trying to get out of my life and how can I do it as quickly as possible? I reckon it's not just that the crowd, it's not just that the crowd are enjoying watching Taylor. Like I did that at home on a, on a screen with one other person. Yeah, that was good. But what they're enjoying is watching Taylor as part of a crowd that's got tens of thousands of people in it, sharing in the moment as a community. You know, religion used to provide that sense of community, um, you know, being kind of bound together by something bigger. And, you know, some, some people are very happy that religion doesn't play that role anymore. But it, it seems to be something we all want, something that we, we need. And I reckon part of why uh, Taylor is successful is that she's providing a version of that through live music. Her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, is providing a version of that as well through live sport. Like live music and live sport are kind of two of the big ways, I guess, now that in the West we still gather to affirm a certain identity, to literally sing about that, to commiserate together, to celebrate together, to feel that sense of togetherness that we seem to crave so much. The final segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called The Man Who Knew Too Much, where I just list off some trivia related to whatever we're looking at this week. This is all taken straight from IMDb trivia section. Thanks, IMDb. Number one, Taylor Swift had the idea for a concert movie in 2022, 
but none of the major film distributors showed any interest. But uh, she was getting all the feedback from her fans and she decided to distribute the film through her own company at her own expense. (laughs) How about that? I mean, like, you know, thinking back, like I can think of plenty of films that... um, Crocodile Dundee is a great one historically in Australia where Hollywood went, you know, not interested and it went on to make, you know, huge amounts of money. Like here they are again. Like who who's thinking that a Taylor Swift concert film's not going to be an amazing thing and not wanting to be a part of it? Like this film costs um at the top probably twenty million dollars and it has grossed more than two hundred and sixty million dollars. <laughs> um secondly, this film has surpassed Justin Bieber Never Say Die 2011 as the highest grossing concert film in the US and it surpassed uh, Michael Jackson's This Is It 2009 as the highest grossing concert film worldwide. So again, definitely not one that the studios (laughs) should have missed out on. Uh, In terms of the tour itself, the Eras Tour has grossed $1 billion US dollars so far, just, just over, becoming the highest grossing concert tour of all time. The previous record holder was Sir Elton John's Farewell uh, Yellow Brick Road Tour, which had grossed uh, $939 million. And my understanding is the Eras Tour keeps going for like 10 more months. So imagine how much it will rack up by then. And the film, I think, will continue to... Um, make money as well like i shelled out 25 dollars for this just to rent it (laughs) and i was like i i don't want to do that um it'll be streaming somewhere soon but she's in town uh you know i paid my 25 dollars i was happy this this film just by itself is still making lots of money and finally uh in the in the concert film the hat at the end of the song 22 is given to a devoted fan a little girl that you'll see in the film now that recipient is actually Bianca Bryant and that's the daughter of Kobe Bryant the basketball superstar who tragically passed away and Kobe had presented Taylor with a plaque on August 21 back in 2015 for selling out the what was called the Staples Arena twice over so as a you know, there's a kind of beautiful and tragic moment going on there with the handing over the, of the hat from Taylor to uh, to Bianca. Okay, so we're at the end of this episode of Pink Door Culture Club. If you can't tell, I really love live music, kind of, of of any sort, really. And I really love pop music as well. I'm looking forward to doing an episode on the Wham! documentary soon. Um even though I couldn't get to the show in person here in Melbourne, the Eras Tour was a fantastic experience, even on the screen uh, as, a, as a film. I'm not sure I would go around saying I'm a Swifty, but as you can see, I really admire her incredible performance skills. The show is it's entertaining, it's exhilarating, it's moving from start to finish. Uh, Definitely didn't waste my twenty-five dollars. It was it was amazing. And I reckon the whole movement, the show, and what it encapsulates, the whole movement points to that desire to believe in someone who's glorious but relatable, and to be doing that with other people as part of a community. As I mentioned at the top, 
remember that you can engage with the show as a YouTube show or as a podcast every Thursday after um, every Thursday Australian time and via uh, what I'm calling the Tuesday pop culture proverbs via YouTube shorts as well. However you're engaging, make sure you like, you follow, you share, you comment and do all of those good things and feel free to reach out and be in touch with me directly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thank you.